Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Hello, welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage. I'm Dr. Jennifer Conzin, and we are going to speak today about what are some of the things in someone's background that can affect their view of sexuality and their adult sexual relationships? What affects your sexual relationship in your marriage that, you know, came from your background, things that happened in your family growing up and the way that you were taught early on? So we're going to talk about background. And just a reminder, our first uh, show a couple weeks back was on God's view of sexuality. Last week, we talked about what is intimacy. And a reminder on some of these things, because we're going to be talking about how sometimes families don't always approach sexuality or talk about sexuality in the way that God does in his word. And that affects our own views as we grow and as we mature and as we come into the adult years. God definitely views us both physically and in all other ways as fearfully and wonderfully made. That's in Psalm 139. We are fearfully and wonderfully made that he knew us, he saw us uh, when our bodies were still unformed and he cherished us from then till now. Sometimes that message doesn't come across from our families to us, especially around sexuality and around the body. And that whole idea of sex that we talked about in uh, a couple weeks ago about sex is, in God's view, it's about intimate connection, that whole to know that's that's used. And you can go back and refer to that if you go on to my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and it goes into some explanation on how God sees intimacy as that connection, that depth of intimate knowing between a spouse, between spouses, a husband and wife. But that is not always communicated from our families. And so we're going to look at what are some of the messages that are not necessarily helpful to our understanding of sexuality, maybe, and then some of the experiences that that you might have had or that people might have had that affect how they view sex now and how they experience sex in their marriage. There's a lot of different pieces, and there's some really helpful uh, clinicians, helpful researchers that explain this in greater detail. There's actually a text by Balswick and Balswick. I'm going to talk about theirs for a minute, about what are some of the experiences that happen to children and adolescents and Really, a lot of it has to come, it comes down to that the environment in the home is not positive about sexuality, that there's a lack of a openness talking about sex, and that then when sex does come up in some fashion, it is discussed in a negative manner or a dismissive manner or an embarrassing kind of shameful manner. So if the way it's talked about is negative... Or if even in the family relationships, there's not just overall openness about emotions and feelings and thoughts. 
if there's a lack of touch and affection in the family, all of these things can affect the development of healthy sexuality. There are sometimes what affects that is that there is a misunderstanding. There's a misunderstanding for many parents on what is considered even normal developmental experiences during childhood and adolescence. And I will get folks that call me and say, my kid, she and her cousin, they were doing X, Y, and Z down in the living room and we caught them and oh my goodness, they were touching each other in such and such a way. And there's a lot of feelings and emotions about that and concerns about what that might mean. And really what what that sometimes reflects is a lack of understanding of normative sexual development. That actually during those early years for children, it's typical to explore their own bodies, for them to actually explore other people's bodies. It doesn't mean that you don't help them with that this isn't appropriate and this is not appropriate. This is appropriate touch and this is not appropriate touch. It's not that parents shouldn't help, but often what happens is that parents respond in such a way that makes what is actually normal developmental sexual exploration into something that feels shameful and wrong and negative. So I want to just emphasize that. Uh, you might have experienced that, that maybe you had some sessions where you're touching somebody playing doctor is the term often it's called where they're checking each other's genitals out or you show me mine I'll show you yours or maybe some touching happened or um and especially if it was like if it was with another if you're a boy and it was with another boy you're a girl with another girl but same sex touching parents can have all kinds of responses to that or if there's masturbation involved touch and parents either don't talk about it at all or they talk about it in a shameful way or they say only you know dirty kids do that some kind of negative phrase about what is actually common exploration that sh that response can create shame that can then affect a healthy progressive uh, growth in uh, positive views of sexuality. So parental responses can affect things. Also, if there was any kind of negative touch where there's any kind of a violation, um, these can be gentle touches. These can be slight caresses that uh, it's, that doesn't feel like a positive caress where there's a there's a hand across the bottom or a hand across the breasts or a a uh, pressure to um, the penis where there's touch happening in those very uh, sensitive personal areas and the child doesn't feel like they can tell somebody or say no or they feel violated and it happens multiple times. So sometimes molestation isn't penetration. It's not sexual abuse where actual intercourse happens or any any kind of entry into the vagina happens or into the anus happens, but it can just be simple touches. So if that has occurred in families, that can be very problematic to someone's development of sexuality over time. Another very important piece that happens in families can be very rigid expectations of this is what a girl does and this is what a boy does. You know, when you look scripturally, um, 
it's so different than what we sometimes see in our in our own culture. We've got this, uh, you know, girls dance, girls do music, girls do art. But when you look at King David in Psalms, you see a man who danced and you see a man who expressed himself artistically and musically. We tend to go, well, that's what a girl does and that's what a boy does. And those kind of rigid gender boundaries, if you experienced those in your upbringing, it can create problems in your development of sexuality that girls are supposed to do this and boys are supposed to do this and girls are, boys are supposed to be sexual and want sex and girls are not. Those early messages about sexuality and about rigid roles, rigid what's a girl, what's a boy can affect then how someone views their sexuality as they mature and as they go into adolescence and adulthood and into um, their marital sexual relationships. And so if a family's adaptable and flexible, it's great. If they're not, it can cause issues. There's also another writer who I've utilized quite a bit. This is Prager. And she did quite a bit of research on intimacy overall and talked about what some of the barriers are to healthy development of intimacy. And she talked about how if someone grows up in a sexualized environment, this is quite problematic, meaning if if it's exploitive, someone's exposed to pornography early on, if they're exposed to being forced to watch sexual acts, if they're forced to be engaged in those sexual acts, if it's exploitive in any way, or any kind of dehumanizing sexual experiences where someone is made to feel um, super negative about their bodies or about their genitals or about sexuality overall, or negative comments are made about their body or their breasts or the size of their penis. These kinds of issues that are both physically dehumanizing or verbally dehumanizing will absolutely affect how someone feels as an adult about their sexuality. Uh, Not only, though, about the sexual parts of the body. Often what people will express to me is that they heard negative comments about their body as they developed, meaning about their weight, you know, if they're... uh, but their parents or a caregiver or um, grandpa or grandma or uncle made negative comments about their weight, lack of or too much, too skinny. I had somebody say I used to be called a zipper because I was so thin. And somebody else say I was treated, you know, at, I was constantly told I needed to lose weight. Those negative comments about the body, oh, you have big thighs. Boy, you developed early when they're talking about your breasts. Things like that, either sexual or just body image comments. If those things happened in your family, they will affect the comfort with sexuality as an adult. I had um, someone share about how their father would place their sister, who was obese, on a scale in front of the whole family to obviously try to motivate this young woman. Obviously, this had negative impacts, not only on the individual so obese, but the sister watching this ended up with um, anorexia for several decades. So those kinds of experiences just around the physical body will then cause somebody to be inhibited with their body as they mature. And so that inhibition then comes out in their marital sexual relationships. So I've had women talk about how their bodies were negative comments were made about their bodies. So then they always felt like they had to cover up their bodies. And that then affected their 
discomfort with being naked with their spouse. So harsh attitudes about the body can absolutely affect things. If your parents made negative comments about their own bodies or about other people's bodies as they were walking around in public, um, making comments about people's weight, um, if you had um, someone in your family that would make comments about women's butts or women's breasts and you grew up with that, those negative dehumanizing comments about the body will then affect how you feel about sexuality as an adult. So the reality is we're going to be talking in later uh, broadcasts about how to overcome these challenges, but the reality is they're there, and sometimes just recognizing them can bring about change for somebody in their adulthood. I am going to go ahead and just take a, a moment here to explain um, some other ways that you can interact with this program. And then we'll go on to some other parts of this broadcast. But if this is bringing up some questions for you, or if you've listened to past broadcasts and it's bringing up questions, go ahead, feel free to send me those questions. Send it to my email. This will be explained at the end of the broadcast, but it's my name at yahoo.com, Jennifer Conson. Send me those questions. If you want to read more in detail and you don't want to wait <laughs> for each of these broadcasts to come, you can go ahead and purchase my book on Amazon, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You can also go on my website, theartofintimatemarriage.com, and there's all kinds of information on there. And if you want to support this broadcast, go ahead and donate. And you can find that on my website. So take some time and uh, go ahead and find some other resources and support. And hopefully you'll get some more as you listen some more today. So let me go on with some of the other areas that affect somebody's development of their sexuality and affect their adult sexual relationship. Some of the other things that come up for individuals that I work with is that in their family, they never had a open discussion on the birds and the bees. Their parent never sat down with them and explained how sex works, how babies are made. And there was definitely no explanation of the fact that dad's penis went into mom's vagina and that's how the baby occurred. So that lack of actually discussing even the physiology of how sex works. And that's for the majority of families, that's the case. There's no discussion about it. Can then convey this message of this is something really private. This is taboo. This isn't something you ask about. Sometimes family people will tell me that in their family, their parent gave them a book, here, read this, or they had a class in school, but there still wasn't open communication around questions. I had somebody share with me how their parents said to them, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to ask me. <laughs> and that the child was like, I do, but they didn't feel comfortable bringing it up. So families will at times go ahead and say it's okay to ask, but the environment doesn't feel like it's okay to ask. And so that feeling of it's a taboo uh, grows. And that affects the fact that then when they're adults, they can't openly talk with their spouses about sexual issues. You may have also gotten that message from your religious upbringing. Often what happens is that churches teach what not to do. Don't get pregnant. Don't wear short shirts or low cut tops. 
don't dance or at least don't dance close. Don't listen to that music. Don't watch that show. Turn that show off when it comes on. Don't be alone with that boy, that girl. So these rules are either taught in the family or taught in the church or lessons are given about purity, but lessons on God's view of sexuality and how positive it is, that rarely occurs. So what happens is people get the don'ts and the don'ts aren't explained. Often what happens, those don'ts are said, but there's no why behind it. So somebody grows up coming from a really healthy church background, but the, the explanation about sexuality was still only negative or it was not talked about at all. That definitely affects things. During those times those times of childhood, those times of adolescence, sexual inappropriate touch can occur in these, what are considered, what should be considered safe environments. So sometimes inappropriate touch and violation occurs, yes, within the family, but sometimes it occurs in safe, what should be safe environments within the church. It can be from church leaders. It can be from other kids in a youth ministry. It can be um, from somebody actually in different forms of um, leadership and responsibility in a religious movement. So those, of course, are even stronger violations because this person's supposed to keep me safe. And that's true within the family. If it's an aunt, it's an uncle, if it's dad, if it's stepdad, if it's mom, if these are people who are supposed to keep me safe. So it's super important to pay attention to this. Violations don't just occur within the family environment. They also occur within the societal environment. And they affect then the safety around sexuality as an adult. If the adult and parent relationship wasn't necessarily sexualized, but there is an over-emotional closeness, a parent that's overbearing or hovering, that can actually affect the ability to um, safely develop emotionally and intimately through the years. It affects adult sexuality. If parents don't let you talk about emotion overall in families, that can affect how much you feel like you can talk with your spouse. So all of the interactions within a family, both through you when you were a child and with your parents or between siblings or between your parents, if they didn't deal well with conflict, that can affect you as an adult. So be aware of those pieces. Sometimes the shame and guilt that people feel around sexuality isn't actually connected with it's bad what they're doing. I've had many couples come in to see me or come to my workshops and they'll say, I feel guilty about doing X, Y, and Z. And really in and of itself, that thing is not wrong or inappropriate, but because of their up bringing anything having to do with those particular behaviors makes them feel dirty. The word that people often share is I feel dirty. It feels dirty to do those things. I feel guilt and I feel shame. So sometimes it's just associated with the, all of those negative things that I've, I've just explained. Sometimes all those guilt feelings and shame are associated with choices that people make. They felt ashamed that they did X, Y, and Z when they were a child, when they were an adolescent. They, they, they felt guilt and shame about being involved sexually with someone else during, say, the teenage and adolescent years or in early adulthood. 
So shame and sexuality starts early. It goes through puberty into later adolescence, into early adulthood, and then it affects that wife and that husband as they begin to engage sexually. So a big area that causes shame is specific to the to masturbation. If and I talked about that, that individual touch, if that was not talked about openly between, say, a father and son or between a mother and daughter, then when masturbation occurs as an adult, there there's that same feeling of I can't openly talk to anybody about this. That's also true of any pornographic use. It's usually done. It's hidden. People don't talk about it. Sometimes people even growing up in religious homes will find it in their parents' things. They'll find it within the home itself. And it's a very confusing message. But because it's not openly talked about in the home or in the religious environment, then when someone's an adult, there's no place to openly talk about that. So all of these pieces around honest, genuine conversations within the family are vital to healthy um, growth of the individual. The other piece is even in as an adult, when because th- this usually comes up, people ask questions. Okay, now Jennifer, you're exposing all this stuff, and I want to actually know <laughs> how do I talk with my kids now? I all these things happened to me as a kid, and all these things were said to me. How how do I change that pattern? Because the reality is. We are often a product of patterns that have come down through the generations. Grandpa and grandma didn't talk to parents openly. Parents didn't talk to you openly. And now you have children. How do you talk to them openly? You can go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and there is a, um, a recording there of how to talk to your kids about sex. But the reality is making it okay to ask questions is vital. If you didn't have that, you can provide that. And that really starts with how early to talk about sexuality. I recommend that the moment they're in uh, past uh, preschool and kindergarten, have an open conversation. Actually, at the ages of three, four years old, they already notice the difference between that boy's body and my body, that girl's body and my body. Talk openly about that is super important. And then at around those early, early grade school years, they're going to hear it at school. Let them hear it from you. Talk openly about sexuality in your family. Start it now. I'm answering that now. That's a whole separate program. But the reality is often when people are figuring out how their own background is affecting their adult sexually, they start worrying about their <laughs> their kids and their impact on their kids. So go listen to that, talking to your kids about sex on the website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. So you might have experienced some of these very negative challenges. You might have had someone expose themselves physically to you as as you were a child or an adolescent. You might have had someone touch you inappropriately. You might have someone made negative comments about your body or you have may you may have been raped when you were young or assaulted by someone um, during those years. How how do you deal with that now? One of the things that's super helpful is to remember, and I mentioned this in the in the um, first broadcast, God sees our pain. God knows our pain. And he says to those, this is a, 
a compilation of scriptures out of Piper and Taylor's book, Sex and the Supremacy of Christ. And they say, to those for whom sexual experience has resulted in unholy pain, Christ says, I understand well your experience. I hear the cry of the needy, afflicted and broken. Come to me. I am your refuge. I am safe. I will remake what is broken. I will give you reason to trust and then to love. I will remake your joy. You know, this is actually from Psalm 10 and 147 from Jeremiah 33 and Amos 9. And it doesn't just apply when someone's actually done something against you. It also applies when maybe you've made choices that you feel guilty about. God hears that. He hears the affliction, the brokenness. He knows you need safety. He is a place of refuge. He can remake what is broken. Sometimes that brokenness occurred because someone in some fashion harmed you. And how do you work through that? One of the things I recommend is really understanding it biblically. You know, Jesus, his own family, uh, you know, thought he was crazy. His own family accused him of, uh, of things and taunted him. His own brothers taunted him. His religious leaders, people that should have been safe, that would be today your religious leaders. So his religious leaders called him names and, and, and tried to catch him and tried to, you know, end up throwing him, pushing him over a cliff and trying to get him caught and killed. So the people he should have trusted didn't weren't there for him. That may be your story. And Jesus's response, which is amazing, was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I love where David says in Psalm 55, he says, it's you, my close companion. So David talks about how he was harmed by someone close to him. That might be your story. And you might have to work through that pain. Today's broadcast definitely highlights that pain. And I encourage you, if that is your story and you need to work through some of the things from your background, go ahead, seek some professional help. See somebody that can help you work that out. Go, go meet with your pastor. Help someone, uh, have someone help you through those negative experiences because they might be affecting you as an adult. And that's why is it important to talk about this? It doesn't fix the problems, but it may shed light and bring understanding so that you can have more compassion with your spouse and that they can have more compassion for you. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, email her at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. Conzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you, and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.